wonderful to be with you this morning. Thank you. It's really significant to be here on Jonathan and Sandra's last day. So uh, they were some of our first introductions to Jubilee uh, when we... Pardon? And we still came. I think if we knew now, then what we knew now... <laughs> no, no, that's not true. Um, I think this, as Anne said earlier, this church is so founded in grace... Uh, so founded in the love of God, so founded in uh, acceptance and reaching out. And uh, we wanna, I want to bring something to you this morning that's been on my heart, really, for the last few months, something that God's been speaking to me about. And I feel it's very relevant for you this morning. As I was praying about this weekend, what should I bring, what would God have me bring to you, I felt actually there's been a bit of a cloak or a cloud of discouragement over the church over the last probably year or so, and maybe even the last few years, but particularly the last year or so. And I feel God wants us to break that this morning. I think something's going to shift. I think something's going to break. I think we're going to get set free this morning, and we're going to come and walk into a whole new sense of liberty and freedom. So please don't get entertained this morning. You probably won't get entertained anyway. But please don't sit back and say, oh, it's going to be nice. We'll just have a little encouraging word. Actually, something's going to shatter. Something's going to break. And something's going to be birthed this morning in terms of a newness amongst us. And it's actually, well, I'll tell you what, we often talk a lot about leadership in, in our churches. But actually, in the New Testament, talks more about the body and us than it ever does about leadership. In fact, the things it says about leadership is we're supposed to equip you, the body, for you to do works of service. So even the things it says about leadership is actually not about leadership, it's about equipping the body. And there's a phrase that comes through the New Testament, it's just peppered time and time again, and it's the phrase, one another. In fact, does anyone know how many times that phrase appears in the letters, uh, and the, the letters to churches? Does anyone know? 42, well, so, 100, yeah, it's about, who said 100? You're, you're right, it's around 100. So some commentators say between 60, 70, some say around 100, it depends how you read it. Do you know what the top one is? What's the one that, there's one that comes five times in the New Testament, the top one another. Very good, love one another. Do you know what the second one is? Hmm? Bear with one another, could be. Yes encourage one another. And it comes four times, right? Four times in the New Testament. Let me give you the references. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will live with you. 1 Thessalonians 4, 18. And the context of this is about Jesus coming again. Jesus returning. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Therefore encourage one another and build one another up. Hebrews 10 verse 25 Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another. In other words, when you meet together you should be encouraging one another. Let us, encouraging, let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching and the day is the return of the Lord Jesus. All the more as you see that happening, you should encourage one another. So actually, we're 2,000 years later from when that was written, so all the more the day is nearer, it's 2,000 years nearer, we should be even more encouraging than the New Testament. Now I believe it's a missing dimension in New Testament life. This kind of atmosphere of encouragement, 
I believe will cut through the work of the enemy and I believe it will change our perception of one another and what God's doing amongst us. And actually, I believe it will help us to be a prophetic people who live in life as encouragements. We'll come on to that a little later. The word encouragement has two biblical meanings. If you study the word, there's two biblical meanings of what encouragement means. The first of all is kind of encapsulated in that Thessalonians one, encourage one another and build one another up. It has a sense of edification, building one another up, strengthening one another as we grow in God. It's kind of like a a maturing, a building one another up and we need to do that. We can't grow in God on our own. We're not designed to grow in God on our own. This generation is full of selfishness, it's full of isolation, it's full of independence, it's full of me at the centre. If you want to sell a product, just put an I in front of it and it'll sell more than other products because I'm at the centre. It's about me and it's kind of selfish generation. God's antidote is the opposite. We encourage one another. We actually, I'm not here to build myself up, I'm here to build you up and as I build you up, actually you help build me up, we get built up together. So that's the idea of building one another up. The second idea encapsulating the biblical word encouragement is to come alongside someone, almost like in a race or like in a walk, and to help spur them forward. So one's to build up, same sort of idea, one's to come alongside and to push you forward in God, to push you forward, to uh, achieve all that God has for you, to be a kingdom person, to be one who's propelled into the promises of God. So encouragement, I believe, is absolutely vital. Now, we shouldn't be surprised that this is part of God's character. God himself is a God of encouragement. In fact, God very rarely, I don't think, ever asks us to do something that he himself doesn't do. In fact, he says, be like me. In fact, the Holy Spirit is transforming us and conforming us and amazingly working within us, sanctifying us to be in his image, to be like Jesus, to be like God. So actually, we shouldn't be surprised to find that God himself is a God of encouragement. It says in Romans chapter 15, verse 5, May the God who gives endurance, I can't say that, endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity amongst yourself. How are we going to get unity? How is the church going to be united? Well, there's a sense of endurance, but that can just sound like hard work. There's a sense of encouragement coming alongside, stirring us on, building us up, and it's God who gives it. So it's not God doesn't ask us to do something that he himself doesn't do. He is the God of encouragement. Another one, 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 16. May our Lord Jesus Christ, this is very Trinitarian, may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. God, who gives, will encourage you. Now, I said it's Trinitarian. That mentions Jesus. It mentions the Father. Some of you who are theologically astute in this room, Mr. Backhouse, (laughs) will already know what I'm about to say now. If I could ask you to preach the next point, I won't embarrass you. Because God not only gives encouragement, God names himself the encourager. How do I know that? Because Jesus said, I'm going to go away but I'm going to send you one just like me 
and he's going to be with you. In fact, he's going to be in you forever. He's the spirit of truth. He's the Holy Spirit. And Jesus describes him as the parakletos, not the parakete, it's not a parrot. It's the Greek word is parakletos, one who comes alongside. It's the same word, same root of the word that means encouragement. Some of our translations translate it as advocate or helper, but actually it's the word encourager. The Holy Spirit is the encourager. And if we're a spirit-filled church... That doesn't just mean that we get the gifts of the Spirit, although wonderfully we celebrate those gifts of the Spirit, and it was wonderful even to see little children this morning using gifts of the Holy Spirit, but actually it means we get the fruit of the Spirit and we get to be the Spirit, uh, encourage us, enables us to be like Jesus, and the Spirit himself is the encourager. And he comes to be with us, to indwell us, and to produce encouragement in us. It's so important that we understand that. Now, it also shouldn't surprise us that encouragement is one of his gifts. It's not a gift we talk a lot about. We tend to zone in on other gifts. We tend to zone in on gifts of other languages, gifts of healing, gifts of miracles. We zone in on gifts of prophecy. But actually, the Bible is very clear that encouraging is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Romans 12, verse 8, it says, if your gift is encouraging, then encourage. It's quite simple, isn't it? If you've got the gift, do it. And sometimes I think we kind of see prophecy as something out there when actually even at the heart of prophecy is encouragement. Because Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. That strengthening, that being built up, that encouraging, pushing us forward and that comforting us. Some of us need to be comforted in this room. Some of us need to be strengthened in this room. Some of us need to be pushed forward in this room. And I believe it's the biblical gift of encouragement that has that. Now, I believe there are people here with that gift. I mean, I, I, if just I look out at random here, if I, if I, see, if I see Val, yeah. So, yeah, when I say Val, that just brings a smile to my face. Um, I, I don't know, Bill's looking a little blank there. <laughs> but Val, Val, although Val first came into this church on a bit of a mission to sort us out, It, it is there. Yeah, we're back. Thank you. <laughs> Very good. <coughs> so how do we do it? We're going to be really practical this morning. How do we do it? And by the way, we're going to do it this morning. How do we do it? Well, we encourage one another 
when people have been a blessing to us. So when people bless you, encourage them. When people have done something good, like we did with Jonathan Sandra this morning, bless them, encourage them. So when people have blessed you, do that. It says this in Hebrews 3, verse 13. This is one of my favourite little scriptures. It says this, encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. So in other words, don't put it off for tomorrow. Don't say, I'll encourage that person in the week. When I get to my devoted group or my small group, I'll, I'll encourage one another. No, don't put it off. Do it today. If someone's blessed you, someone is a blessing to you, do not put it off. Encourage them today. Secondly, when others are succeeding, when others are doing well. Now, we need a new definition of success because success isn't necessarily getting everything right all the time. Success is actually stepping forward and often when we step forward, we fall over. Have you ever noticed little children, how they learn to walk? Little children never get up from the crawling stage, do they? And then just get up and walk. You know, they don't do that. They get, you know, they get up, and I mean, I've seen this so many times with parents, you know, doting, loving parents. They get little chubby Johnny, and, you know, this little, this, I shouldn't really call him that, should I? But, this, you know, this little, they're like, this, like, this baby who's like in nappies still, and they stand them up, and he's just learnt to catch his balance. You know, it's like, oh, look at him. And then he goes, bang. <laughs> oh, he's taken his first step. Well done. <laughs> No, he hasn't. He's fallen over. But mother is encouraging. Father is encouraging. They're saying, well done. Next time they stand him up and then falls over. Well done. He's taken his second step. You know, and they just encourage until he's walking properly. Now, if they're still falling over at 18, there's something wrong. But at 18 months, it's okay to fall over. And, you know, the Christian life is like that. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fall over. It's okay to crash out sometimes, as long as we're going forward. It's okay. And often that happens. We step out in gifts, we get it wrong. We step out in evangelism, we get it wrong. We step out... But actually, we're stepping out in something and we should encourage one another. Just like that mother encouraged the child. Let me give you a scripture for that. Proverbs 24, verse 16. For though the righteous fall seven times, in other words, that's kind of going on and on and on and on, they rise again. Encourage them. Encourage one another when people are stepping out and succeeding. Now, be honest. Don't say it was great if it wasn't great, but at least be truthful in it. Be honest. Be real. Don't be patronising. Be real with people. Be specific. People often say to me, I I probably get more encouragement on the average Sunday than unfortunately most people do probably in a whole year, I would say. Unfortunately, for them, that is. And people, I'm a bit naughty sometimes with people. They'll say, oh, that was a wonderful word, Jeremy. Thank you. None of you are going to say this now, so I'm not going to get any encouragement after today. But that was a wonderful word, Jeremy. Thank you. And I say, what was wonderful about it? They don't know. I'm a bit naughty because I like people to be specific. I like that was good, that bit was good. Not it was generally good because if it was generally good and you're generally encouraging me, then I get generally encouraged. But if you're specific in your encouragement, I get specifically built up and I can know and learn to step out in more error. Be specific with one another and be generous with one another. Just give it away. Be ever so generous with encouragement because actually something happens when you encourage one another. You really do get built up. You really do. Now, I came across this article recently and uh, 
It's written by a guy who is in the field of neuroscience, the study of the brain, how the brain works. They've wired people up to various machines and they found out that encouragement has a similar effect to some drugs in terms of stimulating the brain. And this is what this guy says about it. It makes people stand... This is a non-Christian neuroscientist. I have no knowledge to think he's Christian. It makes, us, it makes you stand a little taller and feel like the world is a greater place. It can be the highlight of someone's whole year. Given how good it feels and the fact that it's legal, ethical and has no unintended side effects, you think people would do lots more of it. Well, why should the world have all the good encouragement? Actually, we're called to be leaders, I believe, in encouragement. So when people are succeeding. Thirdly, when people are going through difficulties. And I think you guys have been through a difficult season. It's in this season that we need to be even more proactive about encouragement. We urge you, brothers and sisters, it says this in 1 Thessalonians 5.14, we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, but encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with them. And I think we need to encourage people like Jonathan and Sandra who've stood through difficult circumstances, job circumstances, health circumstances, family circumstances, and we say, well done. We encourage them through that. I know they were encouraged through that. I know they encouraged themselves, but I know they were also encouraged through that. And I think it's so important. It's such a weapon in our armoury. You see, people say this. If we encourage people, won't they get proud? Won't they get arrogant? If we keep praising and encouraging and pouring blessing and being generous, won't they get arrogant? Won't they get proud? Actually, the opposite is true. The absolute opposite. I'll tell you what, when I step out in something or when I'm going through a difficult time, do you know what? I'm not tempted. What I get is this little voice in the back of my head. I don't know if you get this. When I've stepped out in something, when I've, I get this little voice in the back of my head that says, that was rubbish. That's no good. They don't really like you here. They're, they're really just tolerating you. They didn't like that contribution you brought. They didn't like that prick. And that's what I hear in the back of my head. It's the first kind of thing. It's the enemy speaking. And actually, it's encouragement that cuts through the lies of the devil and builds us back up. Let me give you a verse for that. It's the same verse that we quoted, Hebrews 3, verse 13, when it says, encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Encourage you unless you get hardened, so that you don't get hardened. In fact, it's when we don't encourage one another, we're tempted to get hard-hearted. Encouragement just cuts through that, and I believe particularly when we're going through difficult times. I came across this quote. It said this, A word of encouragement during a time of failure is worth more than an hour of praise after success. A word of encouragement during a time of failure. I think it was uh, Jonathan who went to David when he was in a difficult time and encouraged him to find strength in God. We need to encourage people to find strength in God, even through difficult times. Remember, it's to put courage in. Encourage, put courage in. Put strength in. 
the Entrepreneur magazine, which I don't take, but I did read this quote, in case you think I read these things. But I did Google it. <laughs> Encouragement, again, secular magazine, business magazine. Encouragement sounds like such a small thing, subtle, cute, like what you do with little timid kittens. Oh, could you coo, encouragement. But encouragement isn't cute, it's powerful. When you're encouraging, you're instilling courage. Okay? One of the first, <coughs> one of the uses of the word encouragement in Old English uh, was in the Bayer Tapestry, which is one of the first selfies taken in 1066. <coughs> it took them quite a long time to take it, many years, but it was a tapestry representing my hometown. My hometown is Hastings, and uh, we grew up, Anne and I grew up in Hastings, and Hastings is famous for one thing, and one thing alone, defeat. <laughs> the battle. We lost. But the Bayer Tapestry represented that, and there's a famous bit in the Bayer Tapestry when it says, King Harold, and the word is either comforteth, or it's the same word, encourages his troops. So how is King Harold comforting or encouraging his troops? Well, actually, he's got a spear up their backside and he's kind of encouraging them into battle because that's what encouragement does. It pushes us forward. It motivates us forward. It gives us strength in the battle. It encourages. It puts courage back into us. It doesn't come just from God on high. It comes from God on high through you below, <laughs> through us. That's how God speaks. He speaks through his body. That's where we started. It's a body thing. Encourage one another. Put courage into one another. Now, I could say so much more on this, but I'm going to bring this in for a landing by saying this. Prophetically, it must not stop here. We are supposed to be a people of encouragement. And actually, there's a famous verse in the Bible, because I brought, was grown up with hell, fire and damnation preaching, where people, you know, you tell someone they're going to hell, that was supposed to encourage them to come to God. Well, actually the Bible says it's the goodness and kindness of God that leads people to repentance. And one of the ways that the goodness and kindness of God is expressed is through you. Your, Paul says, your living letters. Not of the law to condemn people, but of grace, actually, to bless them and to encourage them. You're supposed to be living encouragements to people. That's how we're supposed to live our lives. It should be a huge blessing to have you living next door to your neighbours. It should be a huge blessing for you to be working at that desk with somebody. It should be a huge blessing for you to be in that classroom with somebody. Why, people, Christians say to me, oh, it's very dark in my office, it's very dark in my neighbourhood. Well, why do you think God has put the light of the world in there then? That's who you are in Christ. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Then he turns to his disciples and says, you're the light of the world. Actually, we're to live light. Now, sometimes light does expose the deeds of darkness, but light is actually always a blessing in the Bible. Darkness is always a curse in the Bible. And we're supposed to be the children of light. We're supposed to be those who live as blessings to one another. So I want to encourage you this week to be encouraging. I want you to think about situations. I want you to actively aim to encourage your neighbours. Say something good to them. Rather than this tut, tut, miserable, moany attitude that we pick up from the world, why not bring life? Why not bring blessing? 
Anne's very good at this. I'm not as good as Anne. I must admit, I'm trying to copy her in this. I, when I go to a supermarket, for me, I'm on a mission. You know, I want to get in. I want to grab what we've come for, and I want to get out. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to go circuitously round. Some, I want to go directly to it. I want to grab it off the shelf. And then I, the only dilemma I have in a supermarket is which line, which queue is the shortest. Do you know? And I'm looking, and I'm actually calculating. I'm, I'm doing some mental math. I'm thinking, there's three people there, uh, but there's five people there. Oh, yeah, but the five people there seem to have less in their baskets than, than those people. They've got that much. They've got that. They've got that. And I think I'll... And, and Anne, she doesn't care which queue she joins. She doesn't mind talking to them. But don't talk to them. No, we want to get in. We want to get out. And we now shop at Lidl. We're, we're converted Lidlers, all right? And we shop at Lidl. And the thing about Lidl, you know, but you get to know the... It's quite a local one. You get to know the people. And Anne keeps talking to the cashier. She keeps talking to the person and she'll know their name because they've got their name on there. But she, oh, hi, Matt. It's Mandy, isn't it? That's right. And we had this chat last week with Mandy. I said, don't talk to her. Get out. She said, no, no. Mandy, you, you, you went into hospital for that operation, didn't you? And she goes, oh, yeah. She said, oh, how did you get on? I've been praying for you. That's what she says to her. I said, don't tell her that. Let's get out. We don't want a conversation. But no, Anne's, Anne's been praying for Mandy and Mandy's face lights up. Someone's been praying for me. And she's open. And, you know, we didn't give her the whole gospel, but she knows that somebody has loved her and cared for her enough to remember her name, remember who she was, and prayed for her. Is Mandy more likely to be open to the gospel next time? Yes, because she met Anne. No, because she met Jeremy. <laughs> but yes, because she met Anne. I thought I'd try it the other day. I was at a hotel. And uh, I went to this hotel reception. The only time you ever go to a hotel reception, apart from checking in and checking out, is to do what? Complain. The only time. So I thought, I'll try this out. I went midday, uh, you know, or mid-afternoon, I think, to the reception, and you could see the look on the receptionist's face. And actually, it was a really good hotel, and they'd done really well. And I, I said to the, the lady behind the desk, I said, just to let you know, I travel in hotels all over the world, which I do. I stay in hotels. You know, most weeks, I'm somewhere in some hotel in some place or some setting. And I just want you to know, and she, she had no idea it was coming because she thought I was going to say, this is the worst hotel. <clears throat> I said, this is probably one of the best trained staff I've ever come across. You guys are so good at your job. You got, and she just beamed. She was like, it's like I'd given her £100. I thought, this is encouragement. Now, it was true. It was specific. I gave her some specific examples. It was honest. It wasn't syrupy. I wasn't trying to be unhelpful. Was, it was genuine. Now, we've got to live lives like that. And I believe the more we do that, the more people will genuinely be open to the gospel. I was in Mexico a few weeks ago. And uh, where's Nev? I was with your daughter, uh, Zerafina, by the way, doing so good, married to a um, local Mexican lad, doing excellently well in the church. But we went out for lunch with a guy who was a football trainer, a football... He's a coach of young boys. He'd been coaching boys. He'd given his life to this. In fact, one of the boys he coached is my friend's son, who was a bit of a young star. Actually, he's a bit of an adult star now. He's the goalkeeper for the United States of America and the top goalkeeper in Mexico. Mexico just been awarded that. And, uh, you know, but we were talking to this guy, Armando, and I just took his hand over the, over the coffee. We were in Starbucks in, in uh, Mexico. I just took his hand over the table. I said, Armando, I just want to say something to you. And he wouldn't let my hand go. It's really interesting. I don't know if it's a Mexican thing, but he just wouldn't. I said, I just want to say to you, you've given your lives to these young people. 
You could have done so much with your life, but you've given your life to coaching young kids through the you know, second sin, through different... God just says to you, well done. God loves the fact that you've done that. You could see his eyes welling up, tears flowing down there. Afterward, and, and afterwards, he went, oh, what was that? And, and then we carried on. Afterwards, he said to my friend Lee, he said, what was that? That, that, that was one of the... I felt something then. Well, not a, this guy's not a Christian. What did he feel? He felt the presence of God. He, now, that's encouragement. Now, I think that guy, I said to him, you're very close to the kingdom of God. He said, well, I do go to church sometimes. I said, no, I'm not talking about close to the church. I'm to, close to God. Very, and he said, oh, thank you so much. Listen, I'm not an expert in these things. I'm not very good at these things. If I can do it, you can do it. Anne's much better, but you can do it. Encourage, step out, take someone's hand, give a word of encouragement, be a blessing. We're supposed to be the light of the world. Dear friends, that's exactly who we are. Now, if it just stops at that, we're just good people, but I don't believe it is going to stop at that. I believe people more and more are going to open their lives up to us what happened on Alpha? How many, I mean, don't put your hand up, but you know, loads of you guys got saved on Alpha. And you know, the thing about Alpha is a sense of belonging, isn't it? Before you believe, we had this old thing. You had to behave, you had to be a good person. Then if you were a good person, you could believe in Jesus. And then if you, you know, believed in Jesus and were a good person, we'd let you belong to our club, belong to the church. That's the club, that's what I grew up in. Alpha totally switches it all around. It says you can belong first, you can just be our friends, you can love us. So Val, when she came in, she said, I was just hit by this wall of love when I came in. You know, it's just like, people love one another, they're just kind and grace-filled. Actually, that then produces belief in Christ and then it produces behaviour. It's totally the other way around. It's a grace-filled church. It's a grace-filled thing. We've got to live lives like that. Now, we've deliberately left half an hour at the end of this meeting because I want to have some response to this. I believe, and it would be interesting to see where we go with this, I actually believe that there's many people in this church over the last year or two years, we've been through transition, we've been through some difficult times, I believe there has been a blanket of discouragement over you. I believe there's been a cloaking of that. I believe it's been an enemy's strategy. There's once a fable, a famous fable, and this person, it's not true, it's not in the Bible, it's just a fable, but this person was interacting with the devil, and I don't suggest you do that, but this person was chatting to the devil, and the devil was showing off all his machinery. There was this shiny machine of lust, there was this shiny machine of anger and greed, and right at the end of the parade, there was this worn-out machine, and the person said, well, what's that machine? Oh, he said, oh, that's my favourite one. It's had the most use. It's the weapon of discouragement. And I believe there's been a weapon of discouragement that's been used over you and is over you. And we're going to pray, and I believe it's going to shift today. But one of the ways it's going to shift is that we identify. You see, the devil hates things being identified. That's why sometimes Jesus named things. hates that because there's power in that. There's authority in the identification of it. And there's authority as it goes. So if you feel that you've been under a blanket of discouragement, if you feel you've personally been discouraged this last year or so, we want to do the opposite to you. We want to bring encouragement. But would you just stand now, please? Thank you very much.